Hello again and welcome to Crime and Music. I'm your host, Brian J. Kinsley, and with me as always, through the magic of the internet, my friend Ben Rupo. The internet, it's the way of the future. The future, the future. You ever watch that uh, Howard Hughes movie with DiCaprio? No, I don't, I don't think I did. Wave of the future. It's the wave he, of the future. He just kept reciting it over and over and over again. It, for me, he really peaked on his time at gr- on Growing Pains. <laughs> I see. That's where I think he peaked as an actor with Kirk Cameron. A orphan kid with Kirk Cameron. That makes sense. Yes. Well, other yes. things that make sense are Ben and I are back for another amazing true crime podcast about people in and around the music business and their misadventures and law breaking. If you like that sort of thing, true crime, music history, put those two together. That's us. If that's your bag, uh, check us out. Share with a friend. Drop us a line. www.crimeandmusic.com. And uh, yeah, right now we've got all 50 states. Um We've got a lot of South and Central America. We've got a lot of European states right now. I guess my goal, if I had to say, if you could share with a friend somewhere, uh, we're, man, you got any? we're everywhere. Know. We're mul- we're we're sort of circumvented the globe. That's the thing, man. Right? We got people here from like looking Ghana and Botswana, and uh, so we've got some people in South Africa. We've got some people up there. Um, Okay, this is a real question. Is there any way we can get it confirmed if they're listening to us on the International Space Station? Ooh, let's do that. Let's do International Space Station downloads. Interstellar. So if you know somebody, send them an email or, or uh, however they teleport laser flashes. Send them, send them a message that, uh, hey, check out these guys' crime and music. It's a podcast I listen to, and I think you'd like it. My um, kid got to do a teleconference thing with an astronaut from the space station. Their, their class did it. I mean, they're entire class did it but hey, that's pretty cool that they do stuff like that that's neat did he yeah. say is your favorite podcast crime and music with my dad absolutely he did excellent question nine <laughs> they they weren't allowed just to start ripping off questions at these people flying yeah. <laughs> flying around the globe at a billion miles an hour well we're all in a spaceship man it's just blue and covered in grass cool all right, speaking of the one two, let's hit you with a little guess the guest. Are you ready? I'm sorry. I'm ready. Are you ready? I was I was I don't want to rush you. No, I'm I love Rush. Rush is a great band, man. It's now oh, somebody died and now we can't go see Rush anymore. Neil Pert? Well, they Neil, yeah, Neil. Neil Pert passed away. Yeah. All right. All right, Neil, Neil Pert. All right, let's play Guess the Guest. Guess the Guest this week. Uh, check it out. <laughs> Guess the guest. Here we go. Um, All right. right. First question. The the first one is. No, let's start out. Do I know this person? uh, No, it's it's also it's not a person. It's a band. Ooh, I like these. These are my. I like it when it's not a person. Like we've done with the the concerts and the and 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 not just a particular person. So I'm excited. Okay, I'm excited. It's a band. Um, they were originally known as the Killer Bees. The Killer. Not the pro tag team wrestling guys. <laughs> I can't. We have a lot of wrestling stuff on this show. We're like half wrestling podcasts, I guess. <laughs> um, oh, here, I'll give you a hint. There's no. a color. There's a color in their name. Red Skelton. Red. I think he's a comedian, but. No, I'm this. I'm no. All right, Killer Bees. There's a color in their name. Um, Yellow Jackets. They're a family band. Mamas and the Papas. Ooh, that's close. That's a type of relation in a family. There are other types of relations in families. 
aunts, uncles, Everly cousins. Brothers. Whoa, you're getting close. All right, so we got We're the Killer Bees. There's a color in their name, and I'll give you Brothers. Brothers, 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 brothers. Weren't the win? Didn't Edgar and Johnny Winter? The Winter Brothers. All Some right. Pale mofos right there. You got 24 seconds, man. Brothers, killer bees, bees flying. This is my last hint, and I I think this might help you. Um, They opened for the Grateful Dead um, at the closing of the Winterland Arena in San Francisco. It's a very famous dead show. I was never a dead fan, but man. Oh, that's time. Uh, Can't chalk this one up in the win column. All right, well, let, let, tell me who it is. I don't even know. Do I know these, this band? I don't. I, I didn't, but <laughs> that's all right. It's the Blues Brothers Band. Huh. No. Seriously? Sorry. I, could, I can't guess things I don't know. I thought your dad knew out in the garage with the records. I didn't know. It's a blues band. Well, like a few of the things we've had on, on the show, I'm sure if I heard some of their music, I'd be like, oh, yeah, I've heard that music. They have a hit coming up that I think you will recognize. So we will get there as we okay. often do. All right. All right. All right. All right. Well, it is the Blues Brothers Band um, in 19, formed in 1978, Rock Island, Illinois, USA. Oh, so they're not that old. I mean, I was thinking when you said they were going to be like these old blues, you know, two, two, you know, like super young, poor black men playing on the muddy banks of the Mississippi in oh, 1950s. Yeah, yeah. Like a, so like a, 1978, yeah. huh? 1978 in, in Rock Island, Illinois, which is sort of around uh, the Chicago area. And uh, okay. the, the Blues Brothers Band is an American blues and soul revivalist band. What's that mean? A revivalist band is a musical group singer or musician dedicated to reviving interest in a musical genre from an earlier era. Oh, like that, that, ex, that explains it. Okay. <laughs> well, yeah, basically they're bringing back old music. Like performers usually dedicate, um, they're like super hardcore enthusiasts in like a certain thing. Like I like Kentucky bluegrass. And so everything I do is going to be Kentucky blue, like the original, not like the modern, none of this new grass. Yeah. We're like Greta with... Van Fleet. They're a Led Zeppelin <laughs> revivalist. Yes. Band. Led Zeppelin revivalist band. Yeah, that's exactly right. <laughs> right. From Michigan, by the way. No, we like, um, yeah, yeah. Local kids. Typically, it's styles that are no longer in vogue or popular. So, and these acts go around and they're kind of like evangelists to spread the awareness and appreciation of that music to like new, younger audiences. So, okay. that's these guys. They go All around right. and they try to bring awareness to blues and soul music. Well, apparently, they didn't do a real great. Well, they do okay. They actually have a couple of hits we'll talk about. Um, we're going to focus on the two brothers of the Blues Brothers band, okay. Jake and Elwood. There's just two brothers. Just two. Just two brothers. Well, it's it's a whole band. Um, there's like a horn section and guitars and drums and stuff. But then there's two two frontmen. That's the word. The two frontmen are brothers, uh, Jake and Elwood. Got it. So there's only in the band. There's a lot of people, but the two main dudes are the actual relationship people. Correct. But fun fact: the Blues Brothers are not actually brothers. You really <laughs> just knocked down the house of cards here, Brian. What's that mean? <laughs> I love the setup of that. Uh, these two dudes, they meet at an orphanage. Well, I mean, you know, there's certain people. Hey, what's up, brother? You know, like, what's up, brother? Oh, wait, they're white guys, too. They're white guys? Yeah, they're white guys. They're white guys from Chicago. 
That play the blues. We'll get th- we'll get there, dude. Yeah, they're blues right. and soul music. Uh, and a revivalist band. Oh, dude, it, it's interesting. It's a, it's a weird story. Here's the thing. All they're right. br- the blues brothers, not brothers. Not brothers. <laughs> well, yes. that's the hint you should have gave me. They're oh, not yeah. brothers. They're not actually brothers. And you're like, well, I don't. Uh, I don't know now. Hey, I opened a beer at the beginning of the show. Did you hear? Yeah, I, I'm sorry. I'm sitting here. If for everybody that doesn't, the, the COVID thing, that's where we're at right here in this world. So, you know, if you're listening to this a few years after we recorded it, I'm, you'll remember this time oh, of, yeah. of COVID history. Time. So Brian and I got the computers all set up, synced up, Zoom going on, and we're doing it zoom, remote, zoom. remotely, doing our best. Hope yeah, it sounds good. I think it sounds good. I, I think we're it. doing all right. That'd be great. Be all great. right. Well, all talking right. about not great starts, I mean, I don't know, maybe, uh, these two guys um meet at st helens of the blessed shroud orphanage um out in chicago oh they were orphans yes well here's the deal let's start okay 1923 there's a guy named nick o'banion he is a rope string and twine entrepreneur in in chicago and he bequeathed his factory the illinois dragline company and the chicago pressed metal heads milling company to the catholic church of chicago and he stipulated it had to be used as a home for boys and he had one sure thing. He's like, I have one rule that I, you must have if you want this whole deal to go down. And the, the, the thing was, quote, lights out by nine. Oh, okay. So some, some wealthy industrialist in the, from the, the 40s, he said? Uh, 1923. Oh, the 20s. He gave this building to an orphanage. Ca- or well, made he, it. he gave it to the Catholic Church of Chicago to be used as a home for boys. When you say home for boys, not like a prison home we've talked about before. <laughs> I knew that was going to come up, right? I knew you were going to say that. No, this is one, like an orphanage, I guess. Okay. You know? No, that's what I was getting to because you said orphanage, and, and that's what I was thinking. So these, these, these two guys were orphans together. Yes. Okay. And they meet at the orphanage that was bequeathed by industrialist Nick O'Bannon, O'Banion, and um, then it is turned into St. Helens of the sake of the Blessed Shroud. Uh, their first director was a sister named Mary Margaret Moses from the Mozambique Missions. Mary Margaret Moses from the Mozambique Missions. <laughs> that sounds, that sounds Wait, that's made what, up. That's what it was. She's the first director. <laughs> Mary Mother Moses from the Mozambique Missions. Some I alliteration put, going on there. I put, a, I put a Mary in there. It's just Sister Margaret Moses. All right, you got me. Okay. I'm just okay. used to Sister Mary. You know, you're just a... Uh, anyway, St. Helens accommodates boys up to eighth grade. Then they go to the local high school. The nuns teach the four R's. Can you guess the four R's? Religion. Oh, that's yeah. one. That's, that's the last uh, one, but yeah. Reformation. Okay. Did you get it? No, no. Rock and roll? No, this blue. Not at all. Yeah. They were not tolerant of music. No, what it's, we, reading, we, it's reading, writing, arithmetic, and religion. So you got the fourth R. Reading, writing, <laughs> okay. Writing, writing, R I T I N, writing, and arithmetic, R I T H M E T I C, arithmetic. Each boy had his own iron cot, a chair, and a locker, a coat rack, and a kneeler. Arithmetic, <laughs> arithmetic, arithmetic. You're still on the four R's. All right, here's a normal day, um, which who knows what normal is anymore in today's world. Here's a normal day that consists of this is the schedule about uh, St. Helens. 7 a.m., you wake up, 7.45, prayers and breakfast, 9 a.m., school start, noon, prayers and lunch, 2.30, school's out, I figure that's pretty good. Mm-hmm. Well, that's Two, all right. 2.45, free play, uh, 4.30, you got to prepare for the meal, then 5 o'clock, there's prayers, 
and dinner. And then 5.30, 6.30, you got organized play and study hour. Then 7.30 is recreational activities. 8.30, bath time. 9 o'clock, prayer. And um, lights, lights out, out by 9. Lights out by 9. They actually made that in honor of Nick O'Banion. That is the school motto at St. Helens. Lights out by 9. Lights out so, by 9. I like that. I'm going to put that in my household. Lights out by 9, kids. <laughs> lights out by 9. It's, a good, it's an old saying that they say from the 20s. All right, let's talk about Jake. He okay. was one of the brothers in the Blues Brothers Band. Uh, born July 25th, 1952 in Dwight Correctional Facility, Illinois. Birth he name, was born in the jail? Yeah, we'll get there. Birth okay. name, Jacob Papa George. Jacob and, Papa George. Yeah, his mom, Artesia Georgie Papa George. It's, uh, 5'6", 120 pounds, age 27, Catholic girl. Not married, not living with anyone, serving a life sentence at Dwight Correctional Facility. What'd she do? Murder. Oh, wow. A real crime. All right, we're getting right, right into the crime here. She's serving a life sentence for murder. Um, when they ask her who the father of her baby was, because she was pregnant when they took her into the jail, <laughs> Georgie wouldn't say. Um, while in labor with Jake, Georgie took a bad turn, and it was determined that she's not going to live through the delivery. Ooh. And so the, the people at the, the hospital are trying to figure out, like, what the kid's surname is so they could try to get him back tracked track it back to the family and figure out who the father is um georgie said she didn't know who the father was she claimed she didn't remember getting pregnant so oh (laughs) a little little, uh christmas story going on here something something there uh georgie decided on the name jake she asked to see him and uh then she passed away oh that's sad it is jake's taken in though who did she kill by the way uh unknown okay all right now now this is back in the 50s or 60s? Seven, 60s, probably. Uh, this was in 1952. Oh, wow. Okay. So, yeah. No, she actually had a thing where she was talking about how the nuns kept asking her stuff, and she's like, look, it's a secret. I'm going to keep it a secret. I don't want to endanger anyone. And that's all she kept saying is stuff like, I don't want to put anyone in danger. You know, I don't want people to know this is my kid. I don't want him to have this life and, or whatever. And so she never really specified. Okay, so she was protecting the kids. The yes. kids. I believe Sorry. so. But I said kids because I was thinking about that thing they did in Star Wars, you know. Oh, they split the twins. I just went through and watched Revenge of the Sith the other day. I'm backtracking through all the old, like, starting at one and going all the way through. And hey, so... I, I don't want to sidebar too much here because I don't want to talk about this, but all the Marvel movies, I have seen so few of them. Oh. And Disney, I th- Disney Plus, baby. Yeah, well, I think there's an order that I've seen that you should watch them in if you've never seen them before. Not the actual oh. timeline in which they came out, but like right. watch the Hulk and then watch Doctor Strange and then watch, you know, Iron Man 3 and then watch this. I'll, I'll try yeah, yeah. I got time. I got freaking time. That's the way uh, Star Wars works. There's chronological, there's uh, actual release date. There's one I think called the Machete version. And then there's an, uh, ones like the Marauder. But the idea is that you watch four and five then you flash back one two and three and then somehow rogue one fits in there solo is put in there the solo movie not that bad and yeah uh, i like that they're all fine they're all but I there's like, like yeah like you're saying there's like there's like the marauders order or something like that like you're saying with the other ones you can always watch them in different orders to to understand i bet you that marvel would would be weird like that too because yeah. you would not necessarily have to go iron man because it started with iron man one 
Huh. Anyway. Was it? Eh. All right. And Back so, to uh, what's his kid's name? Jake. Now, Jake. it's not all sad for Jake because Jake is taken in by Sister Mary Stigmata and the nuns at St. Helens. Mary Stigmata? Yes. Right. She's they are the head Catholic, nun. Man. She took over for uh, Margaret from Mozambique. Okay. So, uh, as a student, Jake, age six, was described as, quote, usually well-behaved, except when he gets cranky or worked up. Um, Jake gets into mischief. He usually breaks the rules he doesn't like. Well, and he is a, he's a kid and doesn't have a mom and dad to take care of him. That's kind of what I thought. Here's yeah. one uh, quote from a nun. Nun says, quote, Jake can give you a look that makes you believe he's an angel. He's got a bit of the devil in him for sure. Huh. Okay, I like so, this kid. He's, you know, he'll give you that, hey, I'm cute, fun, uh, uh, but then, like, put a tack in your chair or something like that. So I don't know what you do in the He probably gets away with anything he, yeah, everything he does because he's got that look. Got that charm. Uh, Jake would often be found in Curtis the janitor's room singing and dancing, listening to records. In the jan, so, oh, I'm thinking of a janitor's closet. I'm like, that's weird. Well, that's what I thought first, too, and I kept reading it over. I was like, that does not make any sense. But no, this guy, uh, Curtis the janitor, had... He lived on the premises because this is an orphanage. So mm-hmm. people are staying on the grounds. So um, Jake gets into some legal trouble early. He gets caught defacing public property. Um, he wrote Jake and Elwood on the tank of the water tower. Mm-hmm. And it's 4th of July, 1965. And on routine patrol of the area, a police officer discovers two juveniles descending the water tower ladder. And, uh, I would be too scared <laughs> to do that. I'm just scared of heights. <laughs> well, yeah, right. Uh, but the boys said they never heard of Jake or Elwood. And then Jake originally said his name was Walter Horton. And so even though they had paint on their hands and faces and clothes, they're like, no, I, I don't know. I never heard of him. I don't even know. That's not my name. What? 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 Seriously. So after a short inspection of the area, they found uh, paint and brushes. They brushed it on there. They didn't spray it. This what? is 1965. They had brushes. They're just brushing it. <laughs> so, um, Yeah. Jake got into other legal troubles, more things like vandalism at the Calumet City Freight Yards, um, theft, vandalism again. He got caught at the Lincoln Park Zoo, busted for truancy, so he was skipping school. So he was in an orphanage, but somehow he could get out and go get in some trouble every once in a while. Well, it's like the orphanage, you know, attached to a school. And so just like we went, like St. Bob's, it's a school attached to a church. But, but I mean, uh, he, was getting, he was in the orphanage and going out and getting in trouble. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. No, that was just, yeah, like you said, he didn't have any parents. So, like, I'm I mean, sure I mean, there's probably more kids in the orphanage. Yeah, and they're skipping out. They're probably sneaking out, whatever. Right. Okay. Um, let's see. We got more vandalism and resisting arrest. He gets probation for that one. So, drunk and disorderly at the Cook County Forest Preserve. <laughs> what is that? Got probation for that. Uh, you know, it's like a like a county forest like a land. You know, like, like a park, right? He got drunk. I got a I got an MIP in a park one time. Seriously? Minor in possession. Oh, Senior yeah. skip day. We all were going down to Holly State Rec area. Oh, nice. That's a good and one. and so I mean, like two or three of us pull up, and we just go sit out on a picnic table, get like a six pack of beer, and I swear it was. I don't know what we were thinking. Maybe <laughs> I just told this to my kid the other day. We were driving through the park this and he's like i got i got in trouble here yeah a, a park ranger slash dnr officer slash somebody with a gun and a ticket book took all oh. of our beer and gave us all mips that would do it and we were there for i don't think i had three sips of that beer dude all right so this is jake 
All right, we got a couple more. This one's uh, interesting, I thought. That's why I wrote it down. He got busted for hitchhiking and resisting arrest on the Chicago Skyway. That's like a expressway. I believe so. I was hoping you yeah, would Yeah, you're not supposed to hitchhike on these. Be. No, the Skyway, I, I think I, I've driven on. It's, the, uh, it's an expressway, but it's way... They, they built it on like stilts to get around the city instead of huh. just bulldozing buildings and stuff. It's, oh, they went up. They went up, yeah. Gotcha. Even the, huh. the their train system is called the L because it's called it's elevated. It's above. Oh, that makes yeah. sense. In Chicago, uh, he L. also uh, one in Calumet, Chicago. He gets busted for shoplifting at the A and P and the Superette supermarkets. A and P. I don't think we have those anymore. I don't think so. I thought of uh-huh. that when I saw this in the research. I'm like, hey, I remember the A and P. Yeah, yeah. Uh, July 10th, 1965, Jake steals a delivery truck. He climbed the fence at the metal milling company, altered the ignition, and drove the truck off the property. Hot-wired it. <laughs> basically. He altered the ignition. Oh, that's what the report said. He altered the ignition. Um, basically, Jake has trouble with the law. He do, does what he wants. And now let's move on to Elwood. So October- I had a question, Brian. Oh, sure. you're, you're reading all these electronically now, not even postcards today. I couldn't get to the printer. My wife is using the computer to do online teaching and tutoring, so I couldn't get to the printer. Sorry, guys. <laughs> they will be printed out because I have a master stack of just fat file stacks. cards. Yeah, fat stacks. I like flipping through them. I want to riffle through my cards right now. I just, it's, it makes up for it because I got to use the word riffle. So. Okay. <laughs> or on even, even ground. All right. All right. Uh, that, let, was, let, that was Jake. Jake. That was Jake. Jake. Let's move on to the other brother, uh, Elwood. Elwood, like E-L Wood. Elwood. Not yeah. Elwood's like... Blonde, whatever that was. What was that blonde thing with Elwood? Dagwood? Dagwood and Blondie. Legally Blonde with Elwood. I got it. Thank you. All right. All right. Uh, Elwood. October 9th, 1953. Peter Torkvell of Peter's Newsstand. He's just some guy who owns a newsstand named Peter. In Calumet City, Illinois. He's having a normal day at work, right? Selling magazines and newspapers. Um, and this woman wearing dark glasses and a dark hat that sort of covered her face and drives up to the newsstand in a black Dodge or Plymouth. Okay. That's like saying GM or, or, or Chevy. <laughs> right. Whatever. Um, Peter says he reached out to give her the newspaper and sort of wait to give her the money. And instead of giving him money, she gave him a three day old infant wrapped in baby blue blanket and then drove off. What? Yep. He, she paid for a newspaper with a baby. Uh, they got boxes now at like fire fire stations and at police departments where you put unwanted babies. <laughs> oh, I thought you were going to talk about a newspaper box. I'm like, yeah, you can get your newspapers from a box. <laughs> I get mine online, but whatever. Uh, responding patrolman Mike Delaney of the Chicago PD leads an investigation to find the baby's original family. Um, without success, they take him to the Department of Children and Family Services. And the little baby is named after the responding patrolman. They call him Elwood Delaney. And then he is turned over to the little baby, not the officer, is turned over to Sister Mary Stigmata at St. Helen's Orphanage. Okay, so that they're both babies at the orphanage at about the same time. Basically, that's the thing. Um, okay. I think Jake is a little bit older than Elwood, but yeah. So Elwood actually gets fostered out on a couple different placements. Um, at age three, he is placed with the Glick family. Um, they actually have a visit from Jake though. And, uh, once Jake came, Elwood broke all of his toys and acted out. And so that only lasted like a month and a half. The Glick, like Jiminy Glick? Correct. Okay. And then at age five, he's placed with the Mann family, two N's. M-A-N-N. Pan? Pan? 
Pan- man. Pa- ah, two ends. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Sorry, I jumped with you. <laughs> Uh, they had they these the mans have been foster parents. There's a, it's a man and a woman. Uh, the mans had been foster parents for ten years before. They had forty different children come through their homes. How so many? Forty. Four zero. Plus. Four zero. Yeah. Ugh. Well, they're foster parents. Oh, good for them. Yeah. Uh, after a week of Elwood being placed in their home, the mans filed for divorce and returned all the remaining children that they had back to St. Helens. <laughs> what was it? His this kid's fault? That's just what it said in the uh, the placement paperwork. So right, I don't know. <laughs> we're we're led to believe it's his fault. Um, Elwood was. Uh, let's see here. School. Elwood was. Uh, he attended school. <laughs> Nuns noted that he was easily distracted, had a short attention span, um, with mostly C's and D's. He really only excelled at science, where he got A's. Hmm. So um, on the back of all of his report card, he said, his teachers would always write so much potential, so much potential. I feel like they just had a rubber stamp for me, just stamping it on there. Brian has so much potential shows great potential. Still do. Still got yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, like Jake Elwood also hung out with Curtis in the janitor's room because he didn't like classes in school either. So I hope there's no diddling of little boys in this story. I don't want to hear any, any diddling. Stories. Not, all they do is listen to blues and, and stuff records and ling, learn to sing and dance. Basically, okay, that's all, all right. they're doing. Good, good, good. So, that's, I'm happy. I, 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 you know, you wrote the cards here. I'm There's saying no diddling. I'm happy. No diddling. Right. Uh, age twelve, Elwood is placed with the Panowitches, the Panowitch family. Um, now, after the family rejects the idea of also taking in Jake, Elwood, Elwood kept removing the distributor cap from the family's car. Why? Because he was acting out. Because he's like, hey, thanks for taking me in. How about you take in Jake, too? And then we can both live with you guys. And they're like, no, we're not doing that. And so he just kept taking the distributor cap off the car. I, that's just a weird way to act out. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think this must have, because I don't think cars have had distributor caps for like 30 years now. Oh, yeah. No, we're somewhere still like in the early 60s. So mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. the Panda Witches also get called into court because Elwood stopped going to school. So they're like, hey. Your kid hasn't been in school. It's the deal. So, okay. uh, at the age of 16, Elwood ran away from the orphanage and stole a car, a Calumet City police car. Okay. He stole, car was... he stole a police car? <laughs> yes, he did. That, hey, that... man, if you're going to run away, go big, right? Hey, I don't know if I've ever told the story. There is a dude that I used to work with uh, when I used to be in uh, masonry, build basements out of blocks and stuff. And he was named John Drinkwine, a good guy, nice guy. He was in and out of jail for a lot of his adult life, teenage years and stuff. But Wait, one of the didn't, reasons... you, didn't he teach you how to stir prison wine? Yes, he was the oh, one okay. that You've mentioned Matt him in previous had... episodes. Yes, he taught us how to make prison wine. Um, he's, he's dead. We can use his name, right? Yeah, he died not too long. He actually just, he just died like less than a year ago. Well, that's but, what he said um, when we were stirring wine. Anyway. I'm... Anyways, he, um, one of the reasons he went to jail one time was... He was dr- walking home drunk from the bar, and there was a cop car running, and he hopped in it because it was freezing out, and he got in, he got behind the wheel, put it in gear, no drove, dro- dro- started driving home, where then he sees his wife, like she must have left the bar before him or something, <laughs> and uh, stops up next to her and oh, says, no. come on, get in, I'll give you a ride. <laughs> and she just goes, I'm not getting in there with you, John. No, that, that would make me an accessory at that point. And so <clears throat> he drives home, parks the car on the road, 
Next thing you know, there's like three cops show up. Uh, John, get you're not you're not supposed to do that. They didn't take him in. No, they took him in. Yeah, he oh, went back okay. to jail. <laughs> God. He did not on the end of the charges. He did not. He did not resist arrest. God. Uh, all, right. all right. Oh well, they recover the car that yeah. Elwood steals, the, the Calumet City Police car in Joliet, Illinois, uh, with minor damage and no driver. It was presumed that Elwood was looking for Jake because he had recently moved out of the orphanage. Okay. So, Elwood gets seven months home probation for that. He's confined from 9 p.m. to 6 a.m. every day. And how old was he then? He was 16. Oh, okay. All right. They filed a missing persons report for him and everything. Like, have you seen this kid? Uh, he also stole a cop car and maybe headed in this direction. Okay. Sorry, Sorry Michelle. Michelle. June 1971, Elwood graduates from Leo Solis Vocational and Technical High School, where he studied bodywork and auto mechanics, tune-ups, industrial law, and maintenance history. So basically, he was really good at auto shop. He's a car dude. He's very much a car dude. Okay. So July 25th, 1973, Elwood runs a red light and gets pulled over by police. Uh, Not the biggest deal in the world, except he hands them a fake Illinois driver's license with the name Johnny Friendly on it. Not supposed to do that. Well, here's the other thing. Elwood didn't remember that he'd been stopped by that same cop off, uh, police officer several times before. So he's like, I know you're not Johnny Friendly, dude. <laughs> what an idiot. As the officer approached the car to write the ticket, Elwood drives off. <laughs> A warrant is issued for his arrest. Here's the worst part. Johnny Friendly also has legal issues. Uh, like renting a black 1968 Cadillac Fleetwood and never returning it. Oh, really? Who's Johnny Friendly? Just some random dude? I think it's his alter ego or ID. Oh, so he got in trouble. He did that. He did that. (laughs) Right. He rented rented the car as Johnny Friendly and then gets pulled over for running a red light. And then he gives the cop the ID, Johnny Friendly. And the cop's like, Elwood, I know you. (laughs) Like, I'm going to go, hold on. I'm going to write you a ticket. And he's like, all right. And then takes off. (laughs) These dudes are, these dudes, man. I tell you. Well, I I think... you could get away with stuff like that back in the day a little bit easier than you can today because they didn't have, they didn't have like the computers and stuff. You know, they didn't have, like no, right? Yeah, the yeah. tracking and stuff. So yeah, all right. Here's some other um, additional legal run-ins for Elwood. He's uh, some a DUI, reckless driving, um, spinning out. So he's spinning out. Drag racing, driving too fast for conditions, driving on a suspended license, driving without a license leaving the scene of an accident, speeding 70-plus over the posted limit. I imagine he's just tearing through the school zones towards the orphanage or whatever. He was, like, fast and furious before that was a thing. (laughs) It sounds like it. These are all things to do with the (laughs) racing cars around town. He does seem like a racer. Uh, Parking violations. Here we go. 1979 alone, he had $670 in parking violations. In today's money, that's (laughs) $2,425.47. He never realized his dream of becoming a banker. <laughs> that's a bad Seinfeld reference. All I was right. like, that's a Seinfeld reference. <laughs> All right. Uh, I thought you were going to be on Nick Papa Giorgio when Jake's name was Papa George. What? Vegas Vacation. Nick Papa Giorgio. Anyway. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. Uh, all right, we talked about them learning music from Curtis, the janitor, right? Yeah, they, they, they sat and listened to blues in a closet or something. Right. At, at the orphanage, well, I <laughs> get right. Uh, as we discussed, the boys would hang out and listen to old blues records and try to emulate what they heard. So 
the bonus of that was this Curtis guy, this janitor, also played the guitar and sang. So he would sort of fill in the blanks from the records to like, oh, they're doing this, or you got to do this. And so um, Elwood also learns to play the harmonica. Ah, the harp. We got a quote about Elwood uh, and his harmonica. Quote, Silent Elwood never did put more than two sentences together, but those lost words burned from his special 20 blues harp. So uh, the special 20 is, uh, well, hold on. He goes through several roommates at the orphanage because he would practice, but they never like waited it out till he got good. So he was always just bugging people. They're like, I don't want to be his roommate anymore. <laughs> I can't even say that I would want to be a roommate with somebody that's good. If they're yeah, well, just blowing that, blowing that harp all day long. John, John Popper, whatever his name is. Yeah, he's a skinny dude now. That's what I heard. Good yeah. for him. Yeah. So uh, the Special 20 Blues Harp, that is the harmonica that Elwood chooses. It is the first diatonic harmonica in the world, uh, with reeds placed recessed into the comb, creating a projecting mouthpiece. Its distinctive sound is perfect for everything from folk and country to rock and pop. You can okay, pick that's... one up for $47 at Honer.com. H-O-H-N-E-R. Honer. So that's Not just the man. It's like saying a, a, a Fender guitar or whatever. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Like right. a Telecaster. Gotcha. Okay. All right. And uh, so Elwood is dancing and playing the harmonica. Jake is the singer. Quote about Jake singing. Quote. Jake tore that voice from some hidden darkness, twisting his chubby body, snarling at the heavens, a born sinner. Okay, so he was the singer. He was just the singer. Okay. All right, so uh, they used the basement of the orphanage because it was secret and because the echo gave them a nice dirty sound, like a howling wolf of a little walker slapping the bad dream around a chilly room sort of thing. <laughs> That's a nice That's description, it, Brian. I didn't write it. It's, it's what it said in the research. Ah, um, okay. Curtis and people give us things. And then one night, Jake brings in a gleaming E string that he said came from Elmore James' guitar. What's now, a uh, E string? Yeah, the high E, I assume, right? Like, you're, you play guitar. That's uh, the thin, skinny one, right? I don't know. I play it. I don't know anything about it. Never changed strings? <laughs> I did. <laughs> I didn't Have you ever them. broken a guitar string? Oh, yeah. All right. Well, All right, so saying. he brings in a just uh, yeah, one I'm string? Sorry. He brings in a guitar string that is from famed Elmore James, an American blues guitarist and singer and band leader, was known for King of the Slide Guitar, and so was noted for the use of loud amplification and his stirring voice. So he has this dude's guitar string. Okay, just a string, just a piece of metal just string. Just a piece of metal string. He holds it tight in his hand, it glowed in the bulb of the lights, and Jake sliced Elwood's middle finger, and then his own... And the solo boys with soul in their blood were now Jake and Elwood Blues, Blood Brothers, the Blues Brothers. Okay, so that was the, their moment of, of coming together as one. Yes. They also both legally changed their names in 65. Uh, Jake goes with Jake Elwood Blues. Nice. And then Elwood just is Elwood Blues. Oh, okay. He didn't take, so, a, he didn't take Elwood Jake Blues? <laughs> no, no, he did not. All right. All right, the boys now start a band in 1965 called the Ravens. The Ravens. Like the bird. Ah, the three-eyed the Ravens. Okay. Jake and Elwood had found some other kids to join their band. They had a guitarist named Dickie Black, a drummer named Scott Gruden, and the rumor had it that they actually practiced on the roof because the nuns didn't like them practicing in the basement. And honestly, people said they really only knew five songs, so kind of got repetitive after a while. <laughs> it's like every, every group ever. That's when they start out. Oh, the, right. This again, huh? <laughs> uh, 
Um, we got a th- thing here, according to this guy, Don Kirshner. Um, Don Kirshner is one of the quite possibly one of the 10 most successful and wealthiest men in entertainment history for much of the 60s and 70s. Uh, he was the host of a TV show called Rock Concert. What people said about Don was he wasn't the snappiest dresser, nor was he the smoothest talker or even the most clever negotiator, but that's Don. (laughs) That's a terrible quote. Well, I think the guys are just making fun of him. But anyway, (laughs) Don said, here's the deal. Don said in 19, quote, in 1969, Marshall Checker of the legendary Checker Records called me about a new blues act that had been playing the small funky clubs in Chicago's South Side. Today, they're no longer an authentic blues act, but have managed to become a viable commercial product. They're talking about the, the Blues Brothers band? Well, I th- it's the Ravens. Or the Ravens. Okay. Yep. So, um, when Jake... Well, you know what? Before we get into this, let's, let's, let's take a break real quick, right? And um, So this is just the beginning. The this, beginning yeah, I was going to say, band. we're right here at the tip, right before they get kind of like their break. Their big... Well, not their big break, but a break, you know? And they're not just playing shitty clubs anymore. So let's take a break ourselves real quick uh, with another one of my high school band songs. Take it away 21 days. And we're back. And we're back. Well, I, I don't know why, but I always feel like when you come back, it should be like you're watching a golf match on TV and it's like nice and quiet. You don't want to just be like, hey, welcome back to the Monster Truck Show. You know, like uh, We don't have I mean, golf or Monster Truck shows anymore. <laughs> we, <laughs> we may never rid- have them again. We got rid of all that. I went to a virtual. Monster Truck Show uh, about a year and a little bit ago. Eh, trucks driving around. <laughs> huh? All right, what I else? You, you got any like, Anybody, anything else? You got something? No? All right. All right. So basically, these guys um, started out as a little crappy band and then in the basement in the roof of the orphanage and then sort of worked themselves up. And now they are, let's see here, they're working themselves around uh, Chicago area, right? Mm-hmm. South side. What does that mean when they say the south side of Chicago? It's, uh, it's below the north side. Is it on, um, that's not, the water side that's the east side right or the east end or i don't think there's i don't think there, i think chicago is kind of broken up into north and south side almost like two different cities right. i mean like south side is uh is like uh the chicago white Sox side and the north side is a cub side oh one of those all right I that's think, like a mets that's like a mets and the yankees thing i get it all right but i i think the south side also had a lot more of the uh lower income a lot more of the subsidized housing there was um Oh, what was the name of the projects? Caprini Greens or something? Uh, We walked through there on my high school senior trip because we got lost. I don't know if you went that far down there. Oh, no, we did. We were stopped on the sidewalk by people and told us, you need to turn around right now. This is not the area for you. And we did. We were like, oh, okay. So if you're driving in in from Michigan, you kind of come up through all that stuff, you know, before you get to the downtown area. All right, pre-downtown. I think when you say south side of... Chicago. It's more like saying Chicago. 
There's a man named Leroy Brown. There's a song. I knew I knew the South Side of Chicago from somewhere. All right. All right. All right. All right. So... so it's the, um, it's the rough and tumble area. They're playing the the rough clubs, basically. And so when Jake could keep himself out of jail, Elwood would take time off at the Taser Factory, and those brothers rode the entire state. They played clubs, after-hour clubs, blacklight bars. They could play any place they found a stage, Morgan Park to the TikTok. They were out there jamming and working on their music. Word spreads quietly across the steel belt about these two men and the pork pie hats who still play the blues. Uh... Pork pie hat is kind of like uh That's what I was going like, to ask. What's a pork pie hat? It's like a Sinatra hat, kind of. And why is it called a pork pie hat? I don't know that all part. Right. All right, there's be. something for all of our listeners. They got the homework. homework. Go figure out what a, why they call it a pork pie hat. All right, here's the deal, though. I should have told you, FYI, on Jake and Elwood, they wear black suits, white shirts, black ties, and the pork pie hat with Ray-Ban sunglasses. So they sound like, like a couple of Cedic Diamond merchants. It's men in black, basically, before that. Oh, okay. So, all right. With pork pie hats. With pork pie hats. I gotta, I've, so I'm tempted to look up pork pie hat. I'm not gonna, but I want to. <laughs> all right. Uh, soon other musicians hear about these guys, and they come up to them. They're like, hey, you guys are doing the blues. That's cool. So I kind of like that, and I'd like to do the blues, too. So this guy, the colonel, shows up in Decatur at a show, and he's a guitar player. He's got his Telecaster with him. And then they pick up guys like the Shiv. Mr. Fabulous, Blue Lou, Bones, Triple Scale, and a guy named Crazy Gedwa. And he comes in one Saturday Night Light. So they pick up all these dudes. Finally, this big, huge, muscly black dude named Guitar, uh, Guitar Murphy comes in, and they join up. And that is the official setup now. They change their names from the Ravens to the Blues Brothers. And to give you a breakdown of the lineup, you got Joliet, Jake Blues, lead vocal. Elwood Blues, Harmonica, and some lead vocals. He sings like two songs. Um, the Shiv Schaefer, he plays the organ and the electric piano. Uh, Steve the Colonel Cropper plays guitar. Matt Guitar Murphy. I've, I've heard, oh, I've heard of Cropper and Murphy. Matt Guitar Murphy. These guys were like, uh, you might have, they were session what? musicians. And they're white dudes. Both of them are white dudes. One just like, got long hair. And there was one, this is the reason I remember him, because I used to smoke a pipe. There was one of those guys that I, smoked. I bet you did. <laughs> I like a tobacco pipe. Yeah. Uh, no, it was a, um, um, uh, one guy would smoke a pipe when he played, I think, the bass guitarist, wouldn't he? Uh, no, we're not there yet, man. Um, no, uh, Matt Guitar Murphy is a large, muscly black man. Okay, that's not who I'm thinking of then. No. Uh, Donald Duck Dunn is the bass player. He's got like a white guy fro and smokes a pipe. The corner. That's it. That's the guy I'm thinking of. Yep. 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 I've, Donald Duck I, Dunn. I've seen him in, in things. Steve Cropper. Yeah. They're, again, these are all sort of, they, these guys were session musicians. So what they did is they're, they hung out at the studio and when some star or some type of lead type of person would come in, they would back them up and sort of, you know, fill in the gaps. Like, oh, I know this dude. He can play any bass line you need, or this guy's really solid on guitar, so we'll just bring him in. You sing your fancy song, Elvis, and these guys will make you sound good. And so they're studio guys, but now they were like, you're doing the blues? Let's do the blues, man. So uh, to round out the, the lineup, we got Steve Gedwa Jordan on the drums and Lou Blue Lou Marini on tenor saxophone, uh, Alan Mr. Fabulous Ruben on the trumpet. So they had a horn section. They had a lot of horns. Tom Triple Scale Scott on the tenor sax, and Tom Bones Malone on the tenor sax, Barry saxophone, trombone, and trumpet. That is a, f- that's a, f- 
that is a super fat blue uh a horn section absolutely i would have killed for that in that high school band because any we had like saxophonists sit in every once in a while and they just add so much levels to your playing it's great you can as a drummer you can hide right behind all that shit man it's awesome (laughs) they were described as quote one scary soul band as mean and righteous as a fist (laughs) all right all right. Saturday, January 22nd, 1977. Uh, Jake has a missing persons report filed for him. He is missing. Who filed it? Uh, well, one second there. Uh, he's last seen at Uncle Steve's bar on Well Street at 3 p.m. The missing person filing says, use caution because this man is, quote, aggressive and quick. That's the, that's the Jake. Yes, this is okay. Jake. Uh, cause of absence says breach of promise. And coincidentally, the police did not find Jake, but they did find a wedding invitation that said, quote, our joy will be complete if you can share the ceremony of uniting our daughter, Camille Zedetelic and Jake Blues, Saturday, the 22nd of January, 1977, at Sacred Grace Parish. Oh, so he, he ran out on a wedding. <laughs> Dude, he skipped, <laughs> skipped hard, sounds like. <laughs> Yeah, I'm assuming his wife filed the report. Uh, yes, Camille is the one who filed the report. Hmm. The wife to be. He didn't. He did not get married. <laughs> uh, June 5th, 1977. Jake exchanges gunfire with police in Berwyn, Illinois, um, after unsuccessfully attempting to hold up an all-night gas station. Okay. Uh. As Jake was holding the gas station attendant at gunpoint, a police officer pulled up to the gas station. He saw the whole thing. So <laughs> bad luck, man. Jake's like, Jake said, I had to do it, man. I had to do it. I had to pay the band members for the room service bill. And so he had oh, to. Oh, so he, he was holding up the gas station to pay. The band. All, I mean, I hope that right. gas station attendant had a lot of money in the till. Dude, it sounds right? like there's like nine people in this I band. was just going to say, I just scrolled back here. Uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven dudes in the band. Including so I Jake bet you're and hold- Elwood. Yeah, including Jake and Elwood. I bet you're holding up gas stations to pay the band, man. <laughs> you get paid, what, a hundred bucks or something? And it's For a like, gig oh, back then? Yeah, maybe. Split ten ways. Hmm. God. Um, all right. Is that this before impres- or after he skipped out on his wedding? This is after. Okay. Yeah, he, skipped, he skipped out on his wedding in uh, January 77. This is in June 77. Um, this imprisonment concludes the band's current tour because they were touring around the south side of Chicago like we were talking about. Oh, gets... so hold on. He got, he didn't get away? No, again, a cop pulled into the gas station and saw him do it. Well, you said he had a shootout with a cop. Well, yeah, they shot at each other, but I mean, he stops and he's like, I don't, because you know, I mean, if you're a petty thief, I don't think you want to get into a gunfight with the cops. You're just like, come on, man. Well, I, like, I just figured if he got into a gunfight and got away, he then escaped and they Okay, so he got arrested. Fine, that's fine. Uh, just, no, oh, tra- yeah. Jake gets five years at Joliet Correctional Center in Joliet, Illinois. Inmate number 747-4505B. So he only got five years for shooting at a cop. Wow. Yep. And, and he actually, had a long rap sheet before, didn't he? Didn't he have a lot of troubles? He had some issues as a minor. I don't know how they factor that into you as an adult. Okay. All right. But 1980, Jake is released early for good behavior. Oh, well, so I, 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 he served three years instead of five. Okay. That's not, that's not abnormal. <laughs> no, I would say not. Um, Elwood, remember him? He picks his brother up. Um, he shows up in a 1974 Dodge Monaco sedan. Okay. They and really like he, these Dodges. And these they, I was going to say, the moral of the story is that these are Dodge guys. So Yeah. Um, 
What do you do when you get out of the joint, man? I go get some hamburgers. Well, okay, that's what you do, but you're well, that's right. That is specifically what you do. Um, but you're supposed to go see your family, right? You've been hung up in the joint for a while, and Jake promised to visit Sister Mary the day he gets out. So they head back to St. Helens of the Breath, St. Helens of the Blessed Shroud Orphanage. Okay, so his brother picks him up in a in a Dodge. Dodge guys. Okay, and then they drive over to the nun, to the orphanage. Yep, to, to the, the orphanage. Uh, they call her the Penguin. Oh, yeah, okay, yeah, okay. <laughs> well, right. All right, Honestly. yeah. If I'm I, a little I, kid, I think, a nun would look like a penguin. I think that's a that's a term that has been used for nuns throughout history. My mom got upset one time because I said, hey, mom, what's black, white, and red and can't fit through a revolving door? And she, he would say, what, nuns? What, Bri- what Brian? Uh, a penguin with a spear through her head. Or, ah, oh, damn it, I blew it. It's a nun with a spear <laughs> through her head. Ah. <laughs> that's a... <laughs> Well, there the we go. The fact that you screwed it up made that joke funny. Go ahead. <laughs> All right. All, All right, so they, they go back to the orphanage. They go back to the orphanage, and they meet Sister Mary again, and they say, hey, I told you, thanks, you know, I'm out of prison, and Curtis is there, um, and they're telling the guys that the orphanage is going to be closed unless they can get money for their property taxes. So they're going back to, like, a they, closed house. I didn't think that the the Catholics, or the pre, the, like, had to pay taxes and stuff. Well, the thing is, they want to turn it over to the local school board. So I don't know if this is like an eminent domain sort of thing or whatnot. But if they don't pay taxes on the property, um, five thousand uh, dollars, they're going to be like removed, and then that place is going to be turned into a different type of school. Five thousand dollars. Get well, that by dude, the end of the day. Back in nineteen eighty, yeah. Well, that's the thing, right? Jake's like Jake offers to steal the money, but Sister Mary gets offended, and then she's like. I don't even want to hear this from you. If you can't help me for real, I don't want your help, right? So, so she, so she didn't, she didn't want them to go hold up a gas station and get right. The like, money. don't go back to your old ways. You just got out of prison. Don't. I mean, thanks, but don't do that. So, um, Jake is sitting at the Triple Rock Baptist Church during a sermon by Reverend Cleophas James. This is after the nuns' meeting. We're right. She's like, get out. Don't steal money. You know, if you can actually okay. help us, come and help us. But other than that, I don't want your dirty cheating, stealing money. So she basically sends them to church or he goes to church. I don't know. They're Catholic kids, so they might have went with the guilt. But anyway, they're at the church and Jake just has this epiphany, right? He's like, if we get the band back together, we can play gigs and make money. That's like a pretty, I mean, that's a pretty quick way to make money, I guess. But I mean, this was, so they decided to go to church. Well, Again, yeah, they went to church after the nuns kicked them out, and they're like, okay. what are we going to do? How do Because you wouldn't want to see your home, even if it was an orphanage, be torn and, down. And who was the, who, whose church, what church was it? It said it was Reverend Cleophas James at the Triple Rock Baptist Church. So these two Catholic boys go to a Baptist church. A Baptist church. <laughs> that makes sense. <laughs> that makes sense. I, I think they're about as good a Catholic boys as you and I are, so I'm sure they're okay <laughs> with that. Right. So, but while he's there, though, he's like, you know, because they'll be doing the gospel music or whatnot. And Jake's just like, music, let's get the band back together, man. Because they disbanded. Jake's in prison. So they're, everybody goes their separate ways. And uh, now they're on a mission from God. They're on so, a mission from God. Oh, they're on a mission from sense. God. <laughs> well, they have 11 days to raise $5,000. Or, you know, the orphanage is gone. The nuns will be kicked out. Somebody's probably going back to Mozambique. Okay. 
No, this lady wasn't from Mozambique. Her predecessor was. I'm just saying, if you're on the missions, that's where they send you if they probably don't like you, or I don't know. Oh, oh, yeah, okay, yeah. All right, you All got right. to do something. You don't have to... <laughs> Right, you're a nun. You're not going to just give up a nun because they not close to your building. The poor custodian guy, he'd be just probably out on the streets. I'm sure you could get another job as a custodian, I'm going to bet you. But a nun, that's pretty much a single path. But her just a nun. He was a custodian that had a place to live, too. Oh, that's true. Yeah. 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 So, all right. The guys are driving back from the church to Elwood's place, and uh, they run a red light. Of course, Elwood gets pulled over by a state trooper. <laughs> this guy. Uh, Elwood is uh, informed by the trooper that he has a suspended driver's license. Big shock. How so, did they know that he had a suspended driver's license? Well, he pulled him over, and Elwood gives him his ID, and just like the first time he did this, instead of giving him the Johnny Friendly ID, gives him his regular ID. Oh, and he called it in. Right, called it in. So when he's calling it in, they make a run for it. Well, Elwood makes a run for it, I should say. Jake was with him. So, uh, And then they have a high-speed car chase through Harvey, Illinois. This poor guy just gets out of jail and his brother's tearing, tearing oh. through the streets, running from, running from the cops. Right. I'd be a little pissed off. I'd be like, they they lose him at the Dixie Square Mall. They actually do lose the cops, like you were saying, because there's not helicopter patrols and freaking, you know, all this tracking and stuff. So, yeah, first day out of jail, your brother freaking blows a red light and then gets in a speed chase with the cops, and you're like, dude. But they lose the cops, and they end up at a flop house. A flop house? What's a flop house? A flop house is just, uh, it's like a shitty hotel, like a weekly hotel, you know? Every area sort of got one. Oh, okay, just like a better than living on the on a cardboard box sort of place. You know, it's a way out. I don't want to make fun of it too bad, but yeah, it's a way out. These guys weren't rich dudes. His brother just got out of jail, so it's at least yeah, not on the streets. Okay. So they're at this. Uh, they're staying at the flop house. They lose the cops. Um, they go through. Let's see here. Uh, cops go to their door. Just about they're they're they find them in the morning because Elwood gave him his like, actual ID, so it has his address on it. So they find them. Um, right as the guy, the cops are about to bust through the freaking whole entire floor falls through and they're in their uh, hotel floor. The second floor falls down to the first floor for real. Right. The building is actually like structurally unsound. They live in a bad part of the old town, I guess. I didn't really say, but the second floor collapses and everybody falls down to the first floor. So everybody, the building collapses and people are in this thing. They're in this thing. It's a hotel, like a week stay hotel. Huh, nice place. Well, I guess week, week, week stay. Yeah, I did not mean that pun. So before the dust settles, Jake and Elwood get up. They're like, thank God we're alive. And then Jake's like, well, okay, God, we're on a mission from God. So they they're, continue on. They're indestructible. Well, they're on a mission from God. I mean, <laughs> they, they just walk away from a collapsing building. If you think that, yeah. I mean, that's like, if I'm on a mission from God, then I should be indestructible. That's that makes what, sense. That's where they're at. Okay. All right. I don't know. It worked. I don't know. Again, it's Chicago in the 80s. So, so what happened to the cops? Did anybody get killed? No, it seems like the cops got some injuries. Um, it all depends. I don't know how when your floor falls through. I've always seen those things of bathtubs with people fall from like the first floor to the second floor in their bathtub and they're laughing like, ah, ha, ha. I'm like, how are you not dead? But <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know. And it makes me nervous too when I'm in my bathtub. I'm like, if I fill this up all the way, that's a lot of water weight plus my big ass. Yeah, well, so, you got a big ass. Thanks. Uh, so, this isolation isn't helping. Staying in my house, having to cook my own food. Huh. <laughs> uh, all right. So they fall. They get out. They're gone. They're they're and they're back on the mission to get the the band back together. So the cops didn't chase them. 
Oh, the cops I th- were. I think the cops were stuck with the cleanup of the building, like the floor collapsing. So they kind of just like snuck out a little bit. All right. Pretty much like leaving the scene of an accident. <laughs> I wouldn't know anything <laughs> about that. I don't know. My name's Johnny Friendly. I have no idea. All right. So they're trying to find their, their old bandmates, right? Five of them are playing at the Holiday Inn Lounge as Murph and the Magic Tones. Ooh, so Holiday Inn gig. They go get those dudes. They quickly agree. The six-member, Mr. Fabulous, he leaves his job. He's, he's a mater D, making big money, but he's like, screw it. I'll just go play the horn. And he rejoins the band. Um, on their way to meet the final, to figure out the last two guys in the band, uh, they get stuck on this road at Jackson Park. I guess that's a park in Chicago. Okay. And they are blocked by the uh, American Socialist White People's Party. Um, what? Also, they, well, they're known as the Illinois Nazis, and they're having a demonstration on a bridge. I hate Illinois Nazis, Brian. I'm just saying. I, I would. I'm, I'm against that. I'm against that. Yeah. So, yeah, I guess these Nazis won some court case so they could have a parade or whatever the fuck those guys do. Oh, they so. filed for a permit, and they got, mm-hmm. you know, we can't mm-hmm. tell them not to. Right. So... Jake and Elwood are stuck in waiting for the stupid parade to get over, and it's like, dude, I've got a le- what ten days now to raise on a five thousand dollars. They They're have on a mission from God. So Elwood's like, I ain't got time for this. So he pulls out and goes into the the bridge where the people are having their parade, and uh, he runs them off the bridge, forcing them to jump into the East Lagoon. Ooh. <laughs> so I guess I guess if you've done everything he's done so far, whatever. whatever. I mean, yeah, at this point. So the ASWPP issues a shoot-on-site order for Jake and Elwood. The what? The American Socialist White People's Party. Yes. All right. A shoot-on-site order. Meanwhile, the last two uh, members of the band, Matt Guitar Murphy and Blue Lou Marini, are working in a soul food restaurant. And against the advice of Matt's wife, who owns the soul food restaurant, they rejoin the band. Oh, I'm sure she was not happy. Uh, no, I you're sitting there, you're, you're working, your wife's working, you own a restaurant together. And then the next thing you know, you're just going to go out messing around with your hoodlum friends. Just <laughs> back in the band. You think about what you're doing, buddy. Think about your future. All yeah. right. The guys need to make some money. Cause now they got the band back together. Like everybody's in, they got nine dudes or 10 or whatever it was. And they got it. And so now it's time to make the gig, finish the mission from God, get the penguin or money. And save the orphanage they grew up in. So, okay, what do you you need a gig? You you find a gig. Jake takes the guys out, kind of a long ways out of Chicago, you know, and they end up at a place called Bob's Country Bunker for a gig. They got themselves a gig at a country country place. Yes, Bob's okay. is a famous honky tonk known for having both kinds of music, country and western. Ah, yes, both kinds. Famous. So Jake and El would go in. They introduce themselves. They get around a drink, and they start to set up. But uh, there's something weird on this country stage, right? There's chicken wire surrounding the entire stage. <laughs> like a UFC octagon. There's just like a cage around the stage. Uh-huh. Okay. So, why, why? Can I ask why or am I well, going to tell me why? Well, I'm going to tell you why. So basically what it turns out is that in these honky tonks, when the crowd doesn't like you, they throw beer bottles at you. And when the oh. crowd likes you, they throw beer bottles at you. So it's to protect the bands and keep them playing. And uh, the Blues Brothers band was not used to this, and it was a bit of a rough start at Bob's. But uh, they eventually went over the crowd, and uh, in the end, they have a good night. So okay, all right. The, even if you walk in and there's chicken wire, don't be prejudging. Just be like, oh my god, uh, okay. So they're they're making now. They're making money. Had a good night. 
Well, almost. When it's time to wrap the night up and they go collect the money, they're supposed to get paid two hundred dollars for the night, right? So everybody Ooh, gets twenty only bucks. Two hundred bucks. Well, it's nineteen eighty, and you got ten dudes in your band, and but, you're a blues band playing in a country house. So I'm just saying, I'm just putting the numbers. Two hundred bucks. Yeah. The rest of the band doesn't want to play. They want to get some money too. But if, I think they're doing a solid for their buddies. But you got to get to five thousand. That's just you just don't have enough time in the day to do that if you're getting these two hundred dollar gig. Two hundred dollars, ten days. Right. I feel like that's not enough. That's not, yeah. That's not enough. All right. Well, here's the problem though. Too is they got paid two hundred dollars, but they drank three hundred dollars worth of beer. <laughs> I have actually done this at Churchill's with my band. They were going to pay us two hundred dollars, and we I drank two hundred dollars of beer, and we just called it even. I would assume the band would drink for free. Well, that's right. That's why I said that, because they came in and had a round, and some places will give you one round, even two. We used to get two pitchers at Churchill's, and then the rest was on us. And so, yeah, you can totally drink more than you earn. I've done it. Matt gives away beer at his, at his place. Like, the, uh, the groups don't pay anything? Yeah. They, well, th- th- some do and some don't. Like, there's yeah, some... Right? There are some... There's a couple local guys that'll come play, basically, to drink. And they drank. <laughs> well, you know, that's not a bad gig if you're a local musician and, you know, you're just looking to yeah, it's not a bad have, have a night out in the house, yeah. you know. So Jake and Elwood tell Bob they're going to get a collection from the band and then they bail and leave the scene. <laughs> Bob's the owner of the bar. Bob's the owner of the bar. Big Bob's yeah. bar, whatever. Uh, Bob's country bunker. So And so they, Bob, yeah, they, they, walk, uh, they walk back to go get money from the band and... They they tell the band take off and then they take off. So basically, they dine and dash or hot lunch Bob on the hundred dollars they owe him. <laughs> so on top of that, the Blues Brothers wasn't even supposed to be the band that night. What? They stole a gig from Tucker McElroy and the Good Old Boys, an actual country band at an actual country bar. Yeah, well, where, Tuck- where in the hell was Tucker at? I mean, <laughs> Tucker's RV had trouble, so they were late. Like missed the whole night late. And so, oddly enough, they come pulling up. Tucker meets Bob in the parking lot at Bob's Country Bunker because Bob's like, who is the band tonight and what the hell's going on? So Bob tells Tucker. Tucker's like, okay, the enemy of my enemy is my friend. So the good old boys team up with Bob and they're going to go track down the Blues Brothers because I think the country boys want to whoop their ass for stealing their gig and Bob wants his $100 in beer money. Okay. <laughs> that, that seems fair. It doesn't sound too unreasonable of, when you think about it. A bunch of cowboys loading up, you know, a bunch of right. hillbillies got guns. Let's go. You said somebody had an RV? Yeah, they, they traveled the country in an RV, so they take their RV. Now, as we just talked about, Jake and Elwood realize they need, like, a big gig to raise the money because this nickel and dime stuff isn't going to work, and drinking more than you get paid, they're never going to get the money they need. So they call their old booking agent, and uh, he's like, I'm going to give you one shot. You can book the Palace Hotel Ballroom north of Chicago. Okay. I, mean, I guess north of Chicago is better south Chicago. I don't know. I, I don't never either. heard of it. Whatever. All right. Oh, it's part of those ballroom things. Remember we were talking about this, like people own the Palace Hotel Ballroom, people own the Wintergate Ballroom and uh, like ballroom shows. They were like medium-sized concert halls. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So... You got to promote your show, so the Blues Brothers get a loudspeaker, and they put it on top of the car and drive around just shouting to people like, hey, come to our show tonight. Hey, you on the sidewalk, come to our show. I had that in my old Monte Carlo. I didn't have yes, a speaker did. on top of my car. I had them under no, the, under the in, hood. In, inside the cavity of a, under the hood. 
so I could yell at people. That was fun. <laughs> that was a lot of fun. I've had a couple of buddies who've had that little CB to outside speaker thing, and that is a fun sort of toy. Oh, I yeah. If you'd get in trouble now for it, I imagine. I think I could have gotten in trouble back then. Because, <laughs> I mean, we'd be yelling at people at stoplights ahead of us. Hey, oh. go. I dare you to go. No, just, Jeez. yes, I'm talking to you. Don't look back at me. Go. <laughs> Rat was holding a conversation with a lady on the sidewalk right in front of the Little Caesars and flushing. <laughs> God. <laughs> so, so. And I have. You too. That was fun. You two in cars. Uh, yeah, so you get it. That's what they're doing that. But see, when you're doing that, when you're going out there yelling out where you're going to be, everyone's going to hear that. So now the police know, the white people's party people know, and uh, the country band knows where they're going and where they're going to be. Oh, so so they're, they're doing Sorry, a little guerrilla marketing. Well, they are. Yes, that's a good term. Guerrilla marketing. And but, now, now all these people they've pissed off, including some Illinois Nazis. It worked, and yeah, so everybody knows what they're going to do and where they're going to be. So right. it's the, the night of the show. Uh, the ballroom is packed with blues fans and cops and the good old boys and Illinois Nazis. <laughs> and so, so stupid. <laughs> so what is, I mean, this is like, well, right now it's like, uh, what's his name? Gucci Mane when he was on the run and like they were having the uh, record release party and 50 cops and FBI agents were outside working security. And he sneaks in the back to perform on stage with whoever. Oh, that was a Wu-Tang Clan. That's right. It was ODB who did that. So yeah, ODB. So, okay. So this is the ODB original. He probably stole it from these guys. So Jake and L would get up there and they perform two songs. They kill oh, they, it. They did get the party. No, they did like, get the party started. Right. Like ODB, man. They, they seriously, they snuck in backstage while all the cops were there and they're on stage. And it's just like, all right, uh, we're so going to do this. I'm sure all these people whether they're the cops or whatever, are all waiting for them, and they snuck in. Yeah, they had to. No, no, no. I mean, they had they, to have snuck in. They snuck in. Yeah. So they get their two songs in, and Jake does his vocals, and Elwood plays his harmonica, and everybody has a good old time, and now everybody likes the blues again, at least in this place, because it's a blues revivalist You review. know what is a problem right now? What's up? I'm out of coffee. You know what I made for, uh, you know what sounds really good? I made for the kids the other day. <laughs> Good Lord. I'm sorry. An orange whip. What orange is that? Whip. I made an orange whips for everybody. Is that out of, it sounds like orange. Like it's like orange an orange Julius? juice, but it's got, yeah, like an orange Julius, orange whip. Not yeah. a sponsor. Yeah, they're good. Well, fine. Uh, all right. People are drinking orange whips for you, Ben, at the show. Having a good time. Everybody's uh, having a good time, right? Everybody likes it. Um, but basically, the next day, like that morning, is the, tax date so the show was the night before the taxes were due oh they so gotta this get was that. a this was our last attempt right to get that so they got the ticket money which is not enough money to cover them <clears throat> so backstage though there's a record company executive offers them a ten thousand dollar cash advance on a recording contract oh wow so now they have the money to pay the taxes and they got the record contract kind of like a twofer and so now it's just a matter of getting the money to uh, the band. So they take the money they need for the, the taxes and they like, hey, give the rest of the money, pay out the band. And, you know, the dude we got the instruments from and stuff like that. And then it's like, we got to get out of here. So they sneak out the back, same way they snuck in. They sneak out the back as they make their escape via the hold, service tunnel. Hold on. Why wouldn't they just sure. tell that record executive guy, hey, would you go take this money? This is part of our contract down to the tax guy and give him this 
Well, I got to go get a, arrested a little bit. That's a dude. One, I don't think they wanted to get arrested. Jake had been out for what ten days out of out of the prison, so I don't think he wanted to go back that soon. Okay. And two, I don't think you talk to record executives like that. Like, if you ask Phil Spector to do something, he's probably going to try and shoot you. Well, they probably couldn't tell the record executive, like, hey, we got legal problems, because then they probably wouldn't have gotten that contract. Oh, that, yeah, I'm not going to give you a 10 grand if you tell me you got legal troubles. Yeah, yeah, right. So. Okay, okay, all right. He might, they might have mentioned, I don't know. I don't know what you tell cops. So how do they, or not what, cops. they sneak out? So, yep, they sneak out via a service tunnel. Um there was a dude backstage who's like, hey, I used to bounce here back in the day, so this is, this is the way we used to, you know, take people in and out of here. And so... Oh, okay, cool. They had, a, like, a secret entrance. Right. As they make their escape in this service tunnel, right, they are confronted by a mysterious woman who shoots a volley of M16 rifle bullets at them. Who is this lady? Well, it turns out to be Jake's ex-fiancee, Camille Zedetelek. Zedetelek. Oh, so that's the person that's filed the missing report. Yeah. Missing persons report. She found him. It took her a couple of years, but she tracks him down. That's ten- that's tenacity right there. She we is... can't move on with it. I mean, kind of. I don't well, know. She got a lot of stick to itiveness. She's my true princess, Brian. I guess. Stick to it, Camille. Uh, Jake talks to her, offers a series of ridiculous excuses, and she accepts them because he's got that angel look. <laughs> ah, throw, uh, that's a callback from earlier in our show with he could just look at you and get away with murder. Baby, I love you, baby. Baby, that's what I would say. Uh, they continue their mission from God because we're not quite done yet. So they've got 90 miles to go back to Chicago. They've got dozens of state and local police who filed out of the palace ballroom f- chasing them. They've got the good old boys chasing them. They've got Illinois Nazis chasing them. I hope, I, I hope they topped off their gas tank before they left. They might, you never know. Uh, Get eventually, some snacks. <laughs> they, they eventually elude all of them um, with Jake's driving. Not Jake, Elwood's driving because he's the good driver guy. And okay. so they, they end up at Richard J. Daly Plaza. And they come sprinting in. That's right next to Chicago City Hall. And so they go in. Right behind them, they've got Again, state troopers, SWAT teams, firefighter. They actually called in the Illinois National Guardsmen because there's a 90-mile high-speed car chase, kind of like the OJ thing. So they were Oh, they were, able they were to being muster. chased the whole way? The whole 90 miles, basically. They got cops on their asses. So hmm. it's like you can't stop. You can't do – I mean, you got to keep moving. Yeah. And again, so – Okay. They, uh, they get, but they get there. They get to Richard J. Daly Plaza, and they go busting up. They uh, get into the Cook County Assessor's Office. The brothers pay the tax bill for the orphanage, and as soon as they get the stamp, they are arrested by a mob of law enforcement officers. Oh, but they, they saved the orphanage. They got the money to the Cook County Assessor, and um, they gave it to Steve, working the counter, and they're like, look, buddy. Here you go. Here's the money. Make this for the year of the St. Helens. The guy's name the was Steve. Shroud. I don't know. I'm just making up a name. That's probably. So that's what it was, man. They got it. But here are some of the charges um, that they got levied against them by the def- different law enforcement. Um, this is just for the. This is just from the palace ballroom to the county assessor's office. Okay. Here are the uh, list of charges. Driving with a suspended license. All right. <laughs> Reckless driving. Hmm. Driving on a public sidewalk, uh, failure to yield to a drawbridge, <laughs> assault with an automobile, okay, ex- exceeding speeds of 120 miles an hour, resisting oh, arrest, wow. 
driving the wrong way down a one-way, exceeding speeds of 100 miles an hour on lower Wacker Drive, <laughs> making a U-turn at speeds of 100 miles an hour, reckless driving in a public parking lot, failure to obey traffic signals and signs, reckless driving to evade police, leaving the scene of an accident, failure to yield the right-of-way, and improper use of hand signals. <laughs> what is that? I, I don't know if they're giving him the bird or if he's like making a left, you know, I, I don't know. Oh. <laughs> so uh, Jake and Elwood are convicted and sent to Joliet Correctional Center in Joliet, Illinois. Okay. Here's the thing, though. Um, they busted the band, too. Oh, the band all got, they didn't do anything the, wrong. The, well, you will get there like a card here. See, uh, we got the Colonel Steve Cropper, the lead guitarist. He told the cops he was only filling in for the night and that the regular guitar player had the flu. So he's like, I'm not with them. And then he's like, I'm Amish. Actually, I've never heard of the Blues Brothers band. So they didn't believe him. All Take right. him in. Tom Bones Malone on the trombone. I did that good. Uh, he escaped arrest at the ballroom, but the cop noticed a guy hitchhiking down uh, southbound on the I-94 carrying a horn case. <laughs> We're looking for guys like you right now. And he's like, no, I'm a student at the University of Illinois. I'm on the marching band. I've never heard of the Blues Brothers band. He is arrested when they find weed and paraphernalia in his horn case. <laughs> the rest of the band's brought up on charges like harboring of fugitives, inciting a riot, Possession of narcotics with intent to sell and contributing to the delinquency of minors. Oh, this is worse than canned heat. <laughs> Dude, <laughs> canned heat actually got a lot of traction. I really, I like that one. Um, the band and the Blues Brothers are arrested and all put in prison. Oh, in Joliet. Believe it or not, they are in Joliet. Uh, while at Joliet, four units of the National Guard are deployed to the Correctional Center because there was a disturbance in the dining hall. What did they do? During the Inmate Talent Show, the Blues Brothers Band wanted to play, and acting Warden Warren Ward... Acting Warren... There's a lot of alliteration in this story. Warden Ward said, uh, quote, We agree that Jake and Elwood Blues only play one song, a nice slow ballad. But they just went ahead and made the whole place go crazy. I really don't know how it happened. Uh, during the show, the inmates took one guard hostage, but released him when prison officials agreed to get a better sound system for the next talent night. <laughs> so now remember, the Blues Brothers did sign a record contract with Clarion Records of Boston and planned to record it while serving their time. Oh, Warden Ward cool. said, well, Warden Ward said, quote, these boys will do their singing in isolation for the next few months, end quote. Did they ever get their, uh, their album? Uh, yes, here we are right here. Highlights from the Blues Brothers band. Um, they had an album called Briefcase Full of Blues. It reaches number one on the Billboard 200 and went double platinum. Oh, wow. They opened up for new riders of the Purple Sage and the Grateful Dead at their closing show of Winterland Arena in San Francisco. That's one of my clues for you. Uh, oh, yeah. Two of, their, two of their singles, Rubber Biscuit, reaches number 37 on the Billboard Hot 100, and Soul Man reached number 14. So I think Soul Man might be the one you're thinking of. Yeah, yeah, I think yeah I've heard that. Room. Yeah, yeah. Yep. yeah Rubber soul Biscuit. Soul Man. Okay. Yes, with the horn section. Ba -da -ba -ba -da -ba yeah. So, yep, that's exactly right. Rubber Biscuit is worth a listen. You really should listen to it because the words are like. Do you know what a wish sandwich is? A wish sandwich is when you have two slices of bread and wish you had meat. 
<laughs> he just starts singing it it's really crazy elwood does it man and i'm like oh my because that's like one of the two songs he does so rubber biscuit to reach number 37 on the hot 100 check that out their first album sold 3.5 million copies in total it is considered amongst the highest selling blues album of all time i gotta have heard i've i've i can't believe i don't i can't believe i don't know who these guys are it's a blues band from the 80s dude how i'm not surprised to be honest with you I can't believe I've never heard of these people. Well, you heard of Soul Man. I I've mean, heard, you know, I, I think I've heard of it. I feel like that's a cover, though. I don't think they wrote it originally. Well, that's, uh, that's all. I think a, a lot of the blues song. is like that. So yeah, no, they do, and that's the problem with it too, right? You don't get a lot of standouts because they actually. You know what? Wow, I like the blues because the music is the actual star, not the performer. You're right. That's why you don't hear about a lot of these cool bands. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, greatest selling blues record of all time amongst, and, um, we have a quote from Elwood blues quote. It's 106 miles to Chicago. We got a full tank of gas, a half a pack of cigarettes. It's dark and we're wearing sunglasses. Hmm. All right. Hit it. The blues brothers band, everybody. Woo. Well, no, it goes like this. Yay. Now there's clapping. Oh, see, yay. Clapping. Ooh, clapping. I see it on the all screen. right. <laughs> Ric Flair. All right. Well, that was That's fun. the Blues Brothers band, right? Well, I wanted somebody who actually had some crime because I know that the last one we did didn't have as much like, canned heat or whatever. Some of the ones don't have as much crime in them. So well, I picked They them. had crime. The Blues Brothers had crime yeah, throughout. I, will, I like to pick a lesser known band with more crime as opposed to a well, more well known person with less crime. So That's a lot of. They had a lot, of, a lot of crime going on. Yeah. So well, that was there fun, you Brian. Go. There you go. I'm, I know I'm going to go. I'm going to go uh, check this 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 band out yes check out the blues brothers band they do like alliteration ba -ba 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 -ba. i wonder if there's any video of them because i i can't picture these guys you, i weren't when we first started i was like just putting a couple black dudes in my head the blues brothers well right right that's what it sounds so like but no I, i'm hoping there's some video of them i can watch or something there's That'd some there's some things on youtube and stuff like that okay. so and yeah. there's there's some I don't know. There's some footage I tried to go to the library for, and then the library closed. Not like for the day, like forever. For like, the COVID. So, right. So I was trying to look up stuff on blues and stuff like that. I'm like, I'm struggling with this. This is not my genre. And then the next thing you know, this librarian's like, oh, we can pull you these resources. I'm like, oh, cool. Thanks. And then she's like, I'll call you next. Or this is like a Friday. She's like, I'll call you on Monday. And then I went by the library. It's like, library closed indefinitely. <laughs> So they, what the hell do I do? They got the they got something from another library, and oh, you waited I for it. <laughs> Get it? So, <laughs> yep. Because you That's go to libraries so often, the one time you freaking want to go. Oh, I had to sign up for a library card and do a whole thing, and I did, and I I had like a WordCat number, and I you know I I do my research, man. You know I'm pretty good on the internet's, uh, and so yeah, it was I don't know, but because we said library, we're gonna close up this one i don't have any feedback for you i'm sorry that's okay i'm sorry so uh if you like this sort of story please tell a friend go to our uh website crimemusic.com hit us up on the social medias let us know you're listening um stay safe wear your masks and stuff like that this, again this is on timestamp this is the time people we're, we're in a world pandemic yeah, april 1st year 2020 so global pandemic right in the middle of it never trust a big button to smile Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.